Hey there, and welcome to the Jimmy's Table podcast at jimmystable.com. I'm your host, Jimmy Humphrey. I'm curiously evangelical, politically homeless, and a dreamer of small things. On this podcast, I'm having conversations about the intersection of faith, life, and culture. So if you have honest questions, aren't afraid to have difficult conversations, and want to have a little fun along the way, then pull up a chair. This podcast is for you. So today's episode 153 of the Jimmy's Table podcast, and I'm going to talk about more than a heart problem and the issue of gun violence. This podcast is coming out uh, outside the normal rotation. I usually release a podcast early on Sunday morning. Uh, At the time of this recording, it is Wednesday evening, almost Thursday morning. And I just felt compelled to go ahead in light of the shootings that have happened in Buffalo, New York, and uh, Uvalde, Texas this past week to just kind of publish a podcast out of sync and out of cycle um, because I just just feel so compelled on the topic and I feel like I need to kind of weigh in. Also, I'm going on vacation, (laughs) so I thought uh, I'd kill two birds with one stone here. So let's talk about more than a heart problem, that of gun violence in today's podcast. Like I said, the past two weeks, there have been two mass shootings that have shaken America. One in a supermarket in Buffalo, New York, and the other in an elementary school in Uvalde, Texas. Dozens of innocent lives were quickly snuffed out by well-armed lone gunmen hell-bent on killing as many people as quickly as possible. And I think... This has left us all grief-struck. And attempting to process this always feels like an impossible task. Yet, it's a scene we've sadly become all too familiar with over the years. Another mass shooting. A collective gasp at the horror of it all. Public outcry and lament followed by well-repeated arguments that we hash out time and time again on social media, cable news, and in the political arena. But what happens after that? Well, eventually the noise fades, and life goes on as it did before. Nothing ever changes. And we simply wait on standby for the next cycle of violence that inevitably comes. And we all know this is wrong, and that this is evil, and we know that we never want this to happen again. At the end of the day, we know it's going to happen. And nothing is probably ever going to happen that's going to change any of this. And it almost seems like these sort of Laments and outcries and, and, you know, arguments for change just inevitably end up being an exercise in futility. And, you know, there's politicians like President Joe Biden who will come out and, and blast the NRA and the gun lobby. Saying, well, the only thing that keeps this from happening is, is those, you know, those guys at the NRA... They've got too many politicians in their pocket, and as a result, we can't pass any reasonable gun legislation. 
But you know, I'm, I'm kind of as tired of that scapegoat as I am people on the right trying to blame George Soros for everything. <laughs> My Lord, these people are not as powerful as they're often portrayed. The NRA, which not has only has, has had a steady, sharp decline in revenue in recent years, only recently collected $300 million in income. It's not that powerful of a machine. Come on, $300 million isn't that much money in which to influence the world of politics. Because by the time the NRA covers all its overhead and bills and legal dues, truth, they really don't have all that much money to be all that politically influential. $300 million ain't what it used to be. And frankly, it's not going to get you very far in the halls of Congress these days. The simple fact of the matter, why aren't we having any sort of meaningful actions or reforms on issues related to gun control or anything like that? The fact of the matter is, this is America. And people on the left and the right love their guns. It's ultimately sewn into our national DNA. It's our Second Amendment right that people on the left and the right are capable of reciting like it's one of the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not infringe on the right to own a gun. Just like Moses said, right? <laughs> and while this interpretation, you know, of, of the Second Amendment may differ among what side of the political aisle you're on, the fact is... Americans still love their guns, whether they're on the left or the right. Yeah, the extreme left may not like your guns or the Second Amendment. But the truth of the matter is, people in America love their guns. And that's why, according to data, there's 120 guns in this country for every 100 people. Guns are literally everywhere. And it makes sense. Our founding fathers were a little on the paranoid side. They're a little paranoid about powerful governments dominating their lives. They spoke against such things in no uncertain terms. And they felt if the freedom of speech wasn't a powerful enough of a weapon to fight against a tyrannical and oppressive, out-of-control government, then perhaps we could fall back on plan B, Something involving muskets loaded with black powder and steel balls. That'll do the trick. Fundamentally, as a philosophical and axiomatic principle, as Americans, we recognize that while men are born fundamentally free, that freedom can only be maintained by violence. Either the violence you are prepared to commit in order to secure your own life and liberty as an individual, or the violence others are willing to commit on your behalf. The freedom we enjoy as Americans is ultimately a freedom that is secured by violence. We literally sing about this every time our national anthem is played. Fundamentally, in our guts, we understand this. 
So we naturally recoil at the idea of our guns being taken away or having that much in the way of any restrictions placed on our ability to own and operate such guns. For ultimately, at the end of the day, we believe guns to be necessary for the enjoyment of life and liberty. But this, unfortunately, puts us in a vicious cycle. A cycle that I believe from which there is no escape. For Jesus taught that those who live by the sword shall die by the sword. And I don't think that's a statement we can take very lightly. Those who live by the sword shall die by the sword. It's a statement worth repeating and memorizing and taking to heart. Pick up a sword or gun to secure your life and liberty, according to the teachings of Jesus, and eventually you'll come full circle and find yourself looking down the wrong end of the very thing you cling to to save and keep your life. What was to be life for you will ultimately be your very undoing. Live by the sword and you'll die by the same. And that's the teachings of Jesus regarding self-defense and violence and weapons. And so every time we face one of these mass shootings, at the end of the day, the words of Christ prove hauntingly prophetic. The more we feel guns will save our lives and truth, the more guns end up actually taking our lives. As a result, gun violence in America is high. We have more guns than people, and we also have more gun violence than any other nations as a re direct result. Our guns aren't reducing violence. They are only contributing to the multiplication of such violence. In the United States, we have 120 guns for every 100 people. And there are 12 gun-related deaths for every 100,000 people. In contrast, the next closest peer nation has only 40 guns per 100 people, but has only had three gun-related deaths per 100,000 people. We ultimately, as a nation, have three times as many guns and four times as many gun-related deaths compared to the next closest peer nation. Yet we cling to our guns to save us, when in fact our guns are killing us. And the more guns we have, the more graves we ultimately have to fill. Yet we try to tell lies in defense of guns, and we say crazy things like, we don't have a gun problem, we just have a heart problem. You've heard this saying, right? But such simply isn't factual. The fact is, the more guns we have, the more people die from guns. And the data shows that. When we have something like that happening, where the, the multiplication of guns is resulting in the multiplication of deaths associated with guns, then we have more than just a heart problem. We have a gun problem too. And the data does not allow us to interpret it any other way. The truth of the matter is we both have a heart and gun problem. 
The heart problem is the fact that we live in a world full of sinners who love to cause other people harm. And every person alive has one of these heart problems that affects them to the very core of their nature. As the prophet Jeremiah said, there's none good, no, not one. Not one person alive is immune to this problem, this problem of the heart that we have as the sons and daughters of Adam. If you believe in the doctrine of original sin, total depravity, or something even remotely like it, then you are all aware of the fundamental broken nature of humanity and our proclivity to do things that aren't good and that are hell-bent on evil. Therefore, it stands to reason that people with heart problems, which is all of humanity, and not just the mentally ill, by the way, like all the sons and daughters of Adam, probably shouldn't be allowed to easily obtain and stockpile weapons capable of killing 20 kids within a matter of seconds. I don't know about you, but that seems kind of reasonable, right? And while people hell-bent on destruction may find other ways yet to kill people, just like Cain killed Abel with a rock laying on the ground, it seems reasonable to conclude we probably shouldn't allow Cain to stockpile large collections of rocks somewhere. Like in a safe. Hey, this is my rock safe. Look at all these rocks. I don't know what I'm going to use them for one day. Maybe I'll have to use them to defend myself. Maybe something else. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. Probably wouldn't really, you'd probably get a little nervous if Cain was like uh, talking about his large rock collection in his, his safe somewhere, right? <laughs> Especially rocks he's saving for the explicit purpose of possibly killing somebody one day. Should it strike his fancy? But at the end of the day, guns aren't rocks, are they? Guns aren't rocks. They are worse. And we know this to be true, yet we say little intellectually lazy statements that would be contrary to that. God made rocks. Guns are tools we specifically fashioned to be weapons used to kill. And while guns can certainly be used by good people to do good things, let's get over the idea that a gun is simply a neutral thing, that a gun is simply the equivalent of a rock laying on the ground. Guns kill people because that's what people design guns to ultimately do. Guns are used as an extension of us as part of our human agency, and they are used ultimately to inflict harm on others. We may have a heart problem, yes. But we also have a gun problem. These aren't mutually exclusive ideas. Guns and hearts are ultimately connected together. And to pretend otherwise is nothing short of being willfully naive. So we must do more than simply pray for hearts to be changed those prayers aren't working. We need to stop simply praying for gun violence to end. Because gun violence just keeps happening anyway. It's clear our gun violence situation is only getting worse. And our prayers in and of themselves aren't working. Don't get me wrong. 
Thoughts and prayers, while scoffed at by many, thoughts and prayers are things that we do indeed need. But something more than thoughts and prayers alone is needed. A practical application must also follow up with our prayers. Martin Luther, the great German reformer, famously said, Pray as if everything depends upon God, and work as if everything depends upon you. And in our nation, a nation which has more guns than people, there is work to be done. We don't need to get rid of all the guns or do away with the Second Amendment. I'm not calling for that. Although, you know, part of me kind of thinks as a Christian, you know, deeply steeped in the prophetic tradition of Scripture and the, the hopes of Isaiah the prophet that, you know, where they beat their swords into plowshares and spears into pruning hooks and no longer learn war. Maybe that's not such a bad idea. But I'm all for taking some practical steps in the right direction at the end of the day. Not only praying that people have a change of heart regarding guns and their need for guns, and their need for massive quantities of guns of high caliber capacity, but that we need to reduce the number of guns that simply exist and the types of firearms available to people and the ease at which people easily obtain them. And without taking such practical steps, we'll continue to live in a society where mass shootings in schools and other public places are a normal, reoccurring headline. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to live in such a world. Yet unfortunately, many of my fellow evangelical Christians who numerically have the political power to tip the scale of this country when it comes to influencing reasonable gun restrictions will do nothing of the sort. Instead, they will sing the loudest to defend not only the Second Amendment, but to actively take steps to fill the world with as many guns as possible. That's not exactly a pro-life attitude to have. And it is at odds with our Christian values and the teachings of Jesus. As the late Art Katz used to say in his sermons to the congregations he preached to in America, he used to say, you are far too American. And I worry as a card-carrying evangelical Christian that we've taught that the right to bear arms is somehow lock, stock, and barrel in keeping with the teachings of Jesus. As if Jesus himself even taught it. And many in our churches and pews certainly cite the Second Amendment better than they can recite a verse from the Sermon on the Mount. And don't get me wrong, the Second Amendment might be a brilliant idea fundamental to our society, and I understand why it exists. But let's get this straight. As great as the Second Amendment may or may not be, as brilliant of an idea as it may or may not be, at the end of the day, the Second Amendment, it's not a Christian creed nor the line of any hymn we as a church should possibly ever sing. 
So everybody, this has been Jimmy Humphrey, episode 153, More Than a Heart Problem and the Issue of Gun Violence. Hope you've enjoyed this uh, maybe hopefully thought-provoking podcast episode. If you've enjoyed it or want to have a conversation about it, feel free to hit me up, jimmy at jimmystable.com, or reach out to me on Facebook and Twitter, which there are links to Facebook and Twitter through the jimmystable.com website if you just simply go there. If you haven't had an opportunity yet, leave a five-star glowing review on Amazon, Spotify, and Apple. If you haven't subscribed yet, jimmystable.com slash subscribe. You can find your favorite way to subscribe to this podcast, whether it's through your favorite podcast software or even old-fashioned way with email, in which you will get weekly updates of uh, the most recent podcast, except for this coming week, which I'm going to be out of town on vacation, hopefully floating on a boat somewhere. (laughs) So hopefully I can come back and talk to you guys about that. And then make another podcast episode for the following week. (laughs) Everybody, this has been Jimmy Humphrey, jimmystable.com, where I'm having conversations about the intersection of faith, life, and culture. Take care, everybody. God bless. Have a good one. That's all I have to say about that. That's the right on, man. You said it all.